Welcome to Planet Noun, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, that prompt us to make a difference, and to do more with what life presents. So this episode is another installment in our COVID catch-up series, and I've been chatting with past guests on Planet Noun to find out how they've been faring during this year. Now, this one is a little bit different. This is another new guest to Planet Noun, someone whose journey took them to Ghana temporarily at first, but then COVID was declared a pandemic, then a national emergency was declared in the United States, which is where he was born. So this travel company owner, Rashad McCrory, decided to stick around in Ghana and put down some roots. That's where he joins us. He joins us from Ghana. Now, look, by now, you know that anyone who has the courage to follow their dreams or go outside the box and do something different, that person intrigues me. So we're going to get right to it with Rashad McCrory on Planet Noun. So let's start with where you're from from and then where you're from now. (laughs) From now. Um, Well, I'm born and raised in Harlem, New York City. My mother's from Manning, South Carolina. My father is from Rock Hill, South Carolina. So I'm always a Harlem, Harlem guy, born and raised in New York, proud New Yorker. So even though I am in Africa now, specifically Ghana, I'm always going to be a New Yorker and I embrace being a New Yorker. Yeah. And so you were telling me a little earlier about what led you to Ghana. Well, you also told me, were telling me about your tourism company, and but you've yeah. been in Ghana for some months now. Yes, yes. I've been in um, Ghana nine months. I'm the owner of a tourism company, Africa Cross Culture. We do trips to Egypt, Ghana, Kenya, Nigeria, Rwanda, and Uganda. And I was in Ghana for a routine two to three week business trip. I purchased a one-way ticket to Ghana for Ghana March 6th, Independence Day weekend. I arrived to Ghana February 27th. However, when the coronavirus pandemic broke out in the United States, you know, after speaking with my family, my friends out in Ghana, my business associates, we decided that, you know, it might be best for me to stay in Ghana and see what I can do with my company and um, look and, and, and actually prosper and thrive while in Ghana during this pandemic. And now I've been in Ghana for nine months, you know, and, and still enjoying it on apartment. I just brought two dogs today. They're beating me next week. I have two puppies. They're only a month and a half old, a boy and really? a girl. So they're coming to me next week. So I'm really like, you know, grounding myself. I, I met them for the first time today, and then I'll bring them to my home next week. <laughs> wow. So when you bought that one-way ticket for the routine business trip, were you planning on staying? Were you planning on traveling some more around the world or throughout Africa? What were your plans? What, yes and no. I purchased the one-way ticket this time because I'm always, I was always caught in a situation where either I wasn't ready to leave and then my ticket was leaving out too soon, or... I was ready to go home or or go somewhere else and my ticket was too far out. So I said, for the first time ever, I said, let me just get a one-way ticket and I just play everything by ear because there were events in Ghana that I wanted to attend. Accra Fashion Week was the the very next week. It's it's a festival in the Eastern region called the Kwaru Festival, Kwaku Festival. And that was about Easter week. So that was about another two weeks down the road. So it was a situation where it was starting to look like I was going to stay for about a month, six weeks. However, um, in, in my in my wildest imagination, I didn't think it would be nine months. You know, I still have my American keys. Um, <laughs> lucky for me, I gave my neighbor my mailbox key. And my family been picking up my mailbox key. I'm about to just mail my um, house keys home. Um, wow, nine months of mail. I cannot imagine that stacking up. 
You know what though? I, I you, okay. So this is actually a great lead into um why I say you know I really don't know because I was ready to move out of my apartment. So I just been naturally decluttering. I mean, like even if you went, even if we say, hey, take a tour of your apartment in America right now. Snap your fingers, go to my apartment. You would say, where are you moving? Like it's nothing here. Like just a couple of weeks prior, I threw out my couch. Um, I spent about the last few months decluttering my entire apartment. I'm talking about like I was down to maybe about four or five pairs of underwear, four or five pairs of socks. I just had my jackets and my my clothes, maybe about about five to seven outfits. That sounds like stuff that can fit into a backpack and you can travel the world. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about like three plates, three cups, three spoons. Like I really decluttered my entire apartment. The only thing in my apartment that I really missed, even down... Um, I had an article in the Daily News and I was talking to the um, to the journalist from the Daily News. I was like, I do miss my PS4. And he, and he wrote that in the article. He wrote, if you read the Daily News article about me, he writes that I said I miss my PS4. I don't even, I don't even need the PS4 now because the PS5 is out. So day by day, you know, um, I have, you know, I have some books that I want to read here. They have a, lot, a good selection of books, but they don't have that deep metaphysics or black consciousness, black spirituality from the black American perspective book. Mm-hmm. So I do miss a lot of my books that are home, but really I, I threw everything out of my home. So I don't really even have much of my home. So I, I was looking to move. I was looking to be flexible. I didn't know it was going to come out in this, in this way. Right. So you were kind of moved into it a little bit earlier than you, you had planned, I guess. Would that be accurate to yeah. say? I was ready to go. You, you know, um, I, I, one of my favorite books is called The Super Beings by John Randolph Price. And to me, it's a better version than the, 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 the bestseller called The Secrets. Um, it was just one of those situations where it was like, you know, you want to get a new apartment. You know, you want to move. You don't know where you're moving. You don't know where you're going. Just start decluttering your apartment. Get yourself ready. Throw out your couch. Do all this, you know, and, and eventually the move will come. Even to the point where I started refurbishing my apartment on my own. I just started doing my apartment over on my own and I painted my bedroom blue, um, like a light water blue. It was water blue from Home Depot. And it was just a relaxing, wonderful um, color that really soothed, calmed me down whenever I went into my bedroom. That was one of the things that I like best about refurbishing my home. And when I found my apartment here, all the bedrooms were painted in that same blue. So it was already a nice look, but when I started seeing, like when I saw the blue, I was just like, ah, this is a sign. This is the same exact blue my, my bedroom at home was painted. And, um, you know, it, 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 it's an amazing experience. It's, it's definitely something that I know I'm walking in my, my life purpose and the universe is just making a perfect way. I was yeah. just going to ask you about that because um, I was on a Zoom a little bit, a little while ago with someone who, with an artist who... Yeah. Um, travels, you know, he had a time where he traveled from city to city. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that he said is there are no coincidences. I don't believe that there are any coincidences in life. What are your thoughts about that? Because um, another thing that that was brought up in that conversation is no matter what, his needs are always met. The way is always paved. Not not necessarily to say that everything is going to be easy, but the way seems plain. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, like I said, the, the, the book that I referred, um, The Super Beings by Jan, John Randolph Price, 
it just talks about people who are actually able to like manifest their reality, manifest their dream life, um, who know their purpose, know what makes them happy. And they just walk in a way through life where everything just falls into place the way that they have ideal in the mind. So once you begin to kind of train your mind, you actually start to get a little paranoid. I'm like, you know, am I living like a life simulation? You start hearing these conspiracy theories, like life is already a simulation. You're already the machine and all that. The matrix. You know, it's like, well, anytime, I want to yeah, anytime I want to manifest something, it, it actually happens in a relatively timely manner. Wow. 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 Yeah. yeah. Just the, so um, now you say you're from uh, New York originally, Harlem, Harlem. originally. And yeah. I have to ask because I I'm really don't. My was like, you're not a New Yorker anymore. And I said, bro, I haven't even been going a year. I said, people, at first I, at first I was about to type, people been in jail. And I said, no, type something different. I said, people been away in college longer than a year. You ain't take their New York stripes away. And, uh, but keep going, keep going. Keep going. Just, so yeah. I was going to ask, I've never been in a situation, or I, actually I've been in very few situations where I am surrounded mostly by people that look like me. One yeah. was the undergraduate school where I went to. I went to an HBCU. Another situation was when I went to Essence Fest just last year. What is it like to be around growing up as, an, as a Black American? What is it like this, this to be in that situation? Story. I can't even fathom it. It, it. It's amazing. Sometimes I have to watch what I say not to offend especially real friends, you know, it, it, it's amazing experience when you, when you really see white people, forgive me, um, more specifically when you really, I mean, not, you know, that's, that's the obvious, <laughs> that's one of the obvious ca caveats, but you know, coming from Harlem, being in New York city, which is a sanctuary city is such competitive, even with races. So when, when I leave my house and I go to the corner store in New York, or I leave my house in New York, um, the Latinos and Yemenis, Arabs, they run all the corner stores. You have all the Chinese stores. You have the 99 cent stores owned by Indians. You have the supermarkets, which are really owned by white people. A lot of our things like check cashing places, a lot of our jobs are filled up by Latinos because they're bilingual. Here, just knowing that everybody that you, that you deal with is of African descent. Everything that you deal with is, is of African descent. Um, that also plays a big role in knowing that everything is just all black. However, it does also stand out that we're still black American because there's so many different, it's, it's, it's just, we're not African. I'm not Ghanaian, you know, and the Ghanians, they accept me as their African brother and sister, but to them, I'm no different if I was in Ghana and I'm Nigerian. I'm sorry, if I was in Ghana, I'm Nigerian. If I'm in Ghana, I'm Kenyan or South African. I'm Black American here. So um, I, was told, I was told this by somebody. I had a situation um, where I had to take somebody to the police. And they said, the police officer said to me, you're one of us, but you're not one of us. So you have to, you know, be patient. And he was right. He's right. You know, so even now, as much as we, we, we need to be unified, you know, whether it's Pan-Africanism or just staying together as Black Americans and Black people, a lot of times being 
African-American, just to be more specific, I say black American, but African-American, we even have to pinpoint that out. Um, some of my, mo my more unpopular opinions, but, I, but I'm not alone, when it comes to slavery and moving back to Africa, you know, we don't have the same experience even as Jamaicans had or Haitians. We don't have the same experience. And then, you know, when, when you're in places and you have in dialogue and conversations, I hear a lot of Caribbeans talk about reparations like, oh, we don't need reparations or, you know, putting in two cents in reparations when it's like, respectfully, you're my brother, and my sister, I have nothing against you. But would you even be in a line for reparations in America? So as when I originally thought visiting Africa would make me feel like I'm home and I'm part of a family in terms of bloodline and skin line, it still also highlighted that individually I'm still a black man from America. Both my parents are from the South. We, could only, we only trace our heritage and our lineage back through slavery. Even to me, DNA okay, people find out from DNA and that's fine. However, um, we still can't pinpoint things and, and find our namesakes and our family trees. So it's been a blessing. It is a blessing. And it also comes with a certain level of, of awareness that goes deeper and deeper once the initial infinity of, oh, I'm living in Africa. Oh, I'm in Africa long term. You start thinking in totally different different ways. What are some of those ways, different ways of thinking? Um, you know, just, just rehashing what I, what, what I just said, um, knowing that you I identify with being American even more. I identify with being American anymore. Um, I, I also see how tribalism has been used to separate us from each other. I'm talking about the entire continent. Um, and, and black people through slavery and, you know, we're all the same. However, we are from different places. I also see why it's needed and also why it's a huge problem. And I was surprised to have that, have that change. You said why I tribalism also, is needed and why it's a, but why it's a problem at the same time. Is that what yes, you're saying? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Which, which, you know, um, you know, I, I've, I've, I've developed, I've grown from an either or to a both end, mm -hmm. you know, being able to know where you're from, knowing your history, knowing your background, your family, your tendencies, your, your, your blessings and your curses, where your family have strengths from and where your family are weak from. That's, that's, that's golden knowledge. That That's golden information. And the more you're able to identify where a specific set of people especially when it goes generations, that, that's an advantage. That's an advantage on, on what to do and what not to do. Um, and I was, I was open to those kind of thoughts, but it, but it hits me harder now, especially when you try, I've been traveling to different regions and you see the, you see the difference between the way the mountain people live and the, and the, and the seaside people live, the fishing communities and the, and the city people, um, different parts of the cities and farmers. You, you see that they all have different different attitudes, different philosophies, different levels of, for lack of a better word, bravery. Some are, some are more outgoing, some are more introverted. And it, it actually had me realize how different I am. Um, things like in America, things that we, we are 
chastise on as negative are regular ways of life here. Like porn libations. If you have some alcohol and you pour it out in, in America, you, you, you seen as ghetto. Where this is just libations pouring out for your ancestors and, and that the gods have blessed you, the universe have blessed you. Hairstyles. Hairstyles are more liberal here. At home, if, 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 especially with the women, some of the hairstyles that the women have, whether it's, it's, it's with braids or even, you know, it's considered ghetto. Ladies here wear flat tops and low cuts with line up from the barbers. In America, you will automatically be assumed to be LGBTQ there. Here is just a sexy, nice, women get their hair cut and it's nice and shapely. Um, people sit all day and, and, and talk at home that's hanging out on a block, that's lazy. Here, that's building family and community and, and, and dialogue. So it's just so, it's so many different angles that I could just like discuss. It's been, you know, I've been here nine months now. This is, this is the longest I've been in one country in five years. So that's also a little different from me. I'm always flying somewhere. <laughs> and um, I've always only stayed in any of my African countries anywhere between two to six weeks. So actually being here and being grounded and living like my day-to-day life is just is just is just amazing. Uh, uh last week I was walking around town, um, Cape Coast, one of the one of the former capital of Ghana, they moved it to Accra. And everybody was just staring at me and it kind of hit me. Oh, I've been around long enough to where I'm just being me now. I got my New York self, my New York swag, I had some bags in my hand. I'm just looking around, doing me, being me. But on the outside looking in, just like in America, we can tell when somebody's African. You know, we can tell when somebody's African. Here, for the most part, people can say, oh, you look Nigerian. Oh, you look Ghana. At the end of the day, they can tell I'm American Let it, before I open my mouth. Wow. So, wow. you know, being grounded and being somewhere long term. And once you start really respecting the country, respecting the traditions, respecting the cultures, you, you you learn a lot, some things that you like, some things that you're like, wow, I didn't know it was really that way. And um, it's just an amazing experience that I think as many people as possible should, should have. So I have a question about some of the, the differences in perception. Um, like you were saying earlier, here, well, when I say here, I mean the States, mm-hmm. having people, you know, sitting out on the corner, shooting the breeze, it. You know, it's seen as it can be seen as lazy. How can we change the perceptions of people here that it's not being lazy? Like you said, it's it's bonding, it's nurturing community. Mm-hmm. First, we have to understand that America in the West, especially America, is is is, is built on capitalism. We we're, we're trained to to think that we have to really work. All the time. It's a book I haven't read it in a while. Uh, I'll make back to it soon. I'm into audiobooks too. The Four Hour Work Week by, um, oh, I can't remember the, um, the author's name at the moment, but it's a popular book, The Four Hour Work Week. And he, he poses a question um, in the book, The Four Hour Work Week. And he says, two, two questions he posed, but one comment he made. He said, if somebody had to get from one to 10 and they had their eight hours jobs to get it, and person A took their eight hours to get from one to 10. And person B took four hours to get from one to 10 and then just relax for the rest of the day. They will still call person B lazy because they didn't do anything extra where person A would would have been fine and did a great job. Even though um, they both did have, the work. 
where they both did the work, where they both did the work. Um, so we have to stop equating time with effort, with energy, with success. Another thing is, um, another question he posed, I'll use my own numbers for it. He said, would you rather make $100,000 working 40 hours a week or $50,000 working 20 hours a week, but you can't make any more money, but you can't work any more hours doing nothing else? You know, I'm sorry, like $100,000 working 40 hours a week or let's say $70,000 making working 20 hours a week, but you couldn't work any more hours. What would you prefer? You know, and he was saying that most people would prefer the 100,000 working the 40 hours a week over the 70,000 working 20. I don't know. You know, because they just feel like they more just have money, to technically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you make more money. <laughs> you know, people would choose that where we have to start valuing time and do other things we have to do with time. You know, and it's not for everybody. I take the 70. <laughs> I would take the 70. You know, I would take the 70. Because then, you know, people complain about computers taking over all the jobs and everything. I say, well, there's going to be a lot of people who get to use their creative creativity now. You know, it's, it's a lot of people who are gonna, who are not going to have jobs, who are going to lose their jobs. But some of them are going to use that time to actually be free. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows? They could be a YouTuber or Instagrammer, you know, or a single, <laughs> like your friend, the painter, right. you know? So, you know, these are just food for thoughts. Not every, not everything's for everyone, you know, but things like we're, we're in America, we're in a capitalist society where, you know, technically greedy people are at the top and they don't care if you, you spend your whole life working in a way, you know? And when you spend your time building with friends and family and doing personal development, self-development, that that's not making money for somebody. You know, you getting rid of generational curses, you tending to your mental health, that's not making them more money. So instead, they, they'd rather you work 40, 60 hours a week than you work 20 hours a week. And then you take that next 20 hours to go to the beach, go by the water, meditate, go to the woods, you know. Get yourself together. Spend some time with your family. Work on your relationships. Work on yourself. So these are things that um, the mental illnesses that we deal with in America. Because we, I feel like when we come out to Africa, especially when we stay a long time, we come out here tripping. It takes us a long time to settle in. And I knew that between the Define jet lag, tripping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you don't know what people do behind closed doors. You seem you don't seem like you be tripping. <laughs> but um, you know, but we come out here, you know, fast and uh, can I share another story? I'm sorry. Sure, I, I yeah, like yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Me and some Americans, we were sitting at a table, and here in Ghana, they rarely fight. Like you have some groups of people who fight. But here in Ghana, they yell and they scream and they curse at each other and they have all, they say some of the most disrespectful things to each other and they argue. And then when they argue, they just walk away and then 10 minutes later, everything's cool. So one day, some guy was walking and, and, and we coming into a party. We were sitting at the table in the party. It was, it was what you could see out to the parking lot, the way the, the way the place was set up. And, and some guy just came swerving around the corner. They drive crazy here, too. I'm a New Yorker, so I see crazy driving, but they drive crazy here, too. So he came swerving around the corner and almost hit the guy. And they got, they got into this huge argument. 
both of them was right. Both of them was wrong. The guy was like, you shouldn't have been in the street like that. And the guy was like, you shouldn't have been driving crazy like that. And they both was right and they both was wrong. You shouldn't have been driving like crazy like that. You shouldn't have been walking in the, in the parking lot like that. So they was having this nasty argument and then a whole bunch of people got involved and the whole thing got involved and you started hearing all these words. And me and my American friends were sitting at the table like, y'all to punch him in his face. And, you know, by now we would have been fighting it and, he, and we all right. In America, it would have got violent. Somebody would have got hit, punched, pushed. Knocked wrong, the F out. Head out. But that, to me, and I was just like, wow, you hear how we're talking? They had these nasty arguments, and then they just went about their way. We would have been fighting and having enemies for life. Wow. You know, um, you know that's part of the sickness. I have, I have a tourism company. I remember one lady was talking to me for about almost a half a year, asking me for help with her trip. And then she just disappeared. It's like, whatever, all right, you know. Then she then she inboxes me on Instagram, and um, y'all can follow me on Instagram too, Rashad underscore McCrory. I'm verified. You'll find my blue check mark. Um, then she just texts me from a bathroom. She says, she says, "Oh, I'm locked in a bathroom. You know, the guy won't let me out the back. We're in a hotel in the bathroom. And I'm stuck in the bathroom. Can you have somebody call the cops for me in in, in, in Ghana? Can you, can you help me? I'm in America now. I'm still in America. This was about 2018." Oh, okay. mm-hmm. I um I call my, my 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 staff member at the time and I tell him the situation. I give him the lady's um Instagram account and her phone number. This guy goes over there, calls the police, the police comes, and they go down to the police office, they arrested the guy, they go down to the police station, the police he called me back with the police on three way. The story turns out to be that it was the American girl that was tripping. Oh. You know, apparently. He flew her out from America to Ghana. Mm-hmm. Um, I do relationship talks sometimes too, you know. So with ladies, I say your biggest asset is your visa. Um, for guys too, for guys too, but especially for the for the women. Um, he he flew her out from America to to Ghana. He took her around the country. He hosted her, um, and pretty much he had promised to give us some money. He introduced her to her parent to his parents. But in front of his parents, she started asking about the money and started insisting on him even giving her money in front of his parents. Oh, and, did that um, violate some sort of cultural norm? I don't know. If, if, I, that could have waited. From from the way the story got back to me and me and her talked about it and me and a guy wound up talking about it because he was like, I don't want you to think I'm a bad person. My, 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 my assistant during that time, trusted guy. We all come to the conclusion that it was her, the American. I'm not. I'm not saying about women. I'm just saying it was the American. So she and she pretty much started bringing that up in front of his family and stuff like that. And he was like, "Wait till we get back to the room." And she was like, "No, let's do it now, right here, right now." And it was. I was like, "Why are you acting like that?" And she was like, "Oh, I just got nervous. I was just like, you know." Um, he did everything he was going to say he was going to do, and I, you know, and I was just saying, if he did everything else, why don't he just give me the money now too? You know, and with the conversation, I felt like she she was crazy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was just like, no, she was the problem, you know. <laughs> and I've been in a situation where I looked at things and I said, wait, I'm the problem. And then I see the way my black American friends are here. And I'm just like, yo, we're coming from America under this systematic racism. And, you know, a lot of this mentality, we're not we're not 100 percent where we need to be. 
And when I try to tell people who want to visit Ghana with me, and even now people who hit me up and say they want to live, one of the things besides just making sure you have cash flow, I'm trying to debunk this theory of people who want to come out here with no money. Live. Live out here with no money. You don't want to live out here with no money. You're a king. You're a queen. Also, start taking care of your mental health and some of the issues you have now. Because who you are in America, that's who you're going to come out to Africa and be, whatever country you at. You're not going to step on the land and the light is going to shine down on you. You're going to have an epiphany and you're going to be automatically healed. You may heal easier out here because the food is fresh and you get more sunlight and you know, you're, you're not really dealing with financial insecurities because your money stretches. That's why I say it's important to have um, cash flow before you come. But at the end of the day, start working on yourself. If you want to move to Africa, start working on yourself now. So some of your bad habits, some of your, if you have anger issues, if you have control issues, if you're jealous, if you're obsessed with anything, Start working on them now so when you come out there, you're already putting your best foot forward. And you're already putting yourself in a mind state of, I want to become a better person. I want to live a better life. So I'm going to push back slightly, just slightly. Not that I, not that I believe this, but what, what about the person who says, well, I'm an imperfect human being. And even if I work on myself, I'm still going to be imperfect if I move to another, another country. If, say if I decide to move to Ghana or to another country in Africa, I'm still, still going to be imperfect. Why, why do I need to do that? Why not just stack my coins and move? You, you can do that. But again, um, and we're not talking about the extreme of you having to be a perfect person. But if you have anger issues in America, you're going to have anger issues out there. And you don't know where that might lead you out there. Ghana is a pretty nice country. What if you go with your anger issues to Nigeria? What if you go to your anger issues with Zimbabwe? What if you go to some of these countries with anger issues where they just toss you in the river, toss you in the ocean, put put you in prison? Not these nice prisons from what I hear. Here, they have nice prisons from what I heard. You know, mm-hmm. respectfully, you know, where they might, they, they hit women, you know? I'm just speaking, you know, I'm speaking frankly. You know, you, you're used to just talking any way you want. In one place here, you may not be able to talk any way you want. Um, you naive and you're not using your street smarts in America, they'll trick you here. Their mother Africa home you to death. So it's not about having like a Zen-like philosophy of uh, I'm just an imperfect being. I'm never going to be fully perfect. It's just more like, hey, no matter where you go, there you are. So you can't run away from your problems just because you're moving to a different place. If you have an issues, especially if it's your fault, if it's you, some people need to move. Let's, let's, I, I, when I do men's talks and I do dating, dating, dating advice and dating coaches, I say, hey, maybe in this town, they don't like tall, dark-skinned men with beards. And, you know, maybe in this town, they like light-skinned, skinny dudes. But maybe if I go over to Rick Ross town in Miami, they say, oh, you, you know, he's tall, dark, and he got a beard. And they love me here. So there's going to be certain places. There's certain, America, for example, there's certain places where it's not you, it's them. But we also have to self-identify to know when it's us, when it's me. Mm-hmm. As a, not you specifically, you have to be able to identify when it's you. And that's, that's, that's how I want to share with people how to have the most rewarding experience. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like it. And, and actually, I don't believe, you know, I believe in definitely working on yourself, no matter what, constantly. It's a work in progress. But I just thought I would ask that question just to push back. <laughs> no, that's fine. I'm comfortable. 
And yeah. so um, now tell me about your business before COVID and after COVID, because COVID, basically COVID has turned 2020 into a trash can of a year, not in all respects, but in, in a lot of respects. Um, what's, what was your business like before and after COVID? Uh, um, 2018, 2019 was my first six figure year. So this is supposed to be three years, you know, yeah, this is you. Um, so no, I haven't made six figures this year. Um, you know, I haven't done any trips since March. People are coming out, but they're more the people who like really want to ex- have the African experience, um, with, with the people who've come out. Since borders reopened in Ghana in September, they've really been people who are dead set on experiencing Africa and leaving America. Um, I haven't had the the casual tourists who want to just experience Ghana because of what it is. A lot of people have um, lost their money, um, lost their jobs, you know, are still afraid to travel, even to a certain extent. One of the reasons I haven't really traveled, traveled, I haven't haven't taken a COVID test yet. I'm a little worried about a, a Q-tip in my pineal gland. I'm just a little, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I'm just being scared right now. Uh, I, I've taken, you know, yellow fever vaccination. I've taken vaccinations before. but um, So I may be a little open to taking a vaccination. However, I am a little worried about the whole Q-tip thing. I don't know why that bothers me. Uh, if yeah, I say it's, anything, a, it's a little invasive. It's slightly invasive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially where in the body it's going. Where it's it's really important stuff up there in that area, right. you know. That's where your that's where your, your your I don't want to say psychic, but that's where your gut feelings come from. That's where your in, insight and your instincts come from. That's where you know that's that's your pioneer clan. That's almost like your, that's going up into your third eye territory. So, mm-hmm. uh, a, a mysticist or a spiritualist like me, that's a, that's a sacred space. You know, that's a, that's almost like spiritually touching me, mm-hmm. um, for lack of a better term. Right. Um, that yeah. might be all right. Yeah. But um, so before COVID, business was booming. We were just coming off the year return, had a major trips to Egypt, was just starting to really open up, really, really open up the East African leg. So as of now, everything this year has been um, has been pretty much put on hold. The best thing, the best decision that I decided to make was more like something I started doing right before COVID hit was I decided that I want to focus on my branding. I've been doing tours since 2016. I started working on my business 2015. And when the year return happened, a lot of new companies have popped up doing trips to, to Africa. You know, they were always doing DR and PR in Dubai and Paris and Iceland and Cancun. Now they want to do Africa and they have Africa for business now. And I was like, well, what's really the difference between me and them now? I've been doing this five years. I said, you know what? I never branded myself. Mm-hmm. So I had already started branding myself. So since COVID hit with my story, I decided to focus on my brand. Um, that's why you may not have heard of Ghana Cross Culture, Egypt Cross Culture, and the parent company Africa Cross Culture, but you may have heard of me, Rashad McCrory, because I decided I want to brand myself. And I could never take away the brand of myself where if I had stopped doing tours, the company would go away, but I'll always be me. So I've been doing a lot of self-branding throughout 2020. So that's been my 2020 contingency plan. You know, I got no, um, I didn't receive any any help from the government because I've been here. I couldn't claim anything. I couldn't claim unemployment. Oh, um, uh-huh. mm-hmm. You know, a lot of stuff. So I've just been, um, I've, been, I've been getting a lot of, people have been sending me a lot of cash app and I still 
did a good job at it. At, at encouraging people to travel 2021, 2022. So people have been still paying for their trips and I've still been getting um, new bookings. I've been doing all right for my business. Um, oh, okay. So people looking after vaccines are available and after COVID is under control. Yeah, everybody's on their own timeline. Some people are like me a little bit more like I'm not letting COVID stop me. I'm letting the test stop me in a way because of what, what the test is doing. If it was just a, a lip swab or taking some blood, I'll be out. That's just my own personal. Maybe I need to just let it go. But um, some people, some people are like, "Hey, I'm going to take this test and and just go." Some people want to, you know, take the financial hit. Some people want to um, wait till the whole whole thing blows over in 2021, 2022. Some people going to wait for the vaccination. So, ooh, this is this is a lot to deal with. But it's good that you you still are having having bookings. That is definitely. And people are, you know, looking ahead to, you know, when this thing is over. You know, I'm walking in my divine purpose. Everything, you know, just I really don't have many questions about my past. Oh, I say over the last three to five years, my my entire um, life, any questions that I really had in life have been answered. Um, I, I was a I was a big time party promoter. I would say I was about a B B plus level New York City party promoter. Mm-hmm. Um, made decent money, but I, I, I was. It was times where I, I would say, "What, what are you doing promoting parties, Rashad? You could pass any of these tests. You could run programs. You could do this. You could do that." But you're here throwing parties. When I was in my second trip to Ghana, when I was looking for business opportunities, I said, "Hey, maybe I should start a tourism company. If I can get thirty to fifty people a week to come party in New York City, I can get thirty to fifty people a year to visit Africa." And, you know, a couple of years later, I was just like, hey, that's why I was a party promoter all those years. The universe, God knew that eventually I would take them same talents and same skills <laughs> to um, to do this. So um, I'm working in my life. When, when you work in your life purpose and your life path, your life path, um, doors open. You're able to do amazing things. There's people in other areas of life doing just amazing things amazing things because that's what they were supposed to do. I wish, I wish, you know, um, everybody could just try to tap into what makes them happy and try to find ways to monetize it. Cause, cause the doors are open up, the doors are open up and, and you know, you'll be able to, to live, live a really great life. We're all individual. I can't answer that for me. So what about your love of travel? Um, some people love it. Others like to stay closer to home. Sounds like you have the travel bug or, you had you, you just have a love of travel. Where did that come from? I don't know. I don't know because it's it's weird. And 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 home. I'm really a I'm really a local person. Like I really stay in Harlem. Like I go. I used to go to the. Everything I like to do is close in Harlem. All I used to do was just go to the AMC movie theater. I used to go to the gym and I used to lounge hop and and go to different parties and anything else and travel and get on a plane. You know, so it's, it's it's amazing how local I was, but I was always traveling. I would say, um, I would say that I was on the continent at least almost seven to ten times a year. Wow! So when I'm home and I'm stationary, I'm local. Um, but other than I travel, I just like meeting new people. I like new experiences. I like scenery. I'm still learning a lot about myself. Um, what, what what speaks to me. I'm able to adapt. That's one of my gifts. I have great adaptability. Um, I'm able to recognize opportunity 
So going to new places and seeing new things, it just it just gives me uh, um, an itch. It just gives me a you know a jolt of energy through me because I want to see the world. I want to see the world. I want to meet new people. I want to have new experiences because it just it just keeps bringing new light, new um, new adventures. Sometimes sometimes I worry. I said I'm living a great life. I hope I'm die soon. Like I'm doing everything I want. I need to find you know. How long I gotta keep this up? You know what I mean. Weird thoughts, weird thoughts. But um, uh, yeah, I would say I have a travel bug. I love it. I'm happy. I'm very, very happy. It's it's crazy. You know, it's just like I left everything behind, but I'm, I'm 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 really happy. I'm really happy. It's it's amazing. Do you feel safer in Ghana than than in Harlem, or is it? Do you feel safe in both places? Um, any honestly, any un any lack of safety I felt in Harlem was always due to police officers you know um I lost a family court case it was BS forgive my language you know it was BS you know family court family court is very anti-male just in general it's just it's just hard it's 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 not difficult being a man it's difficult being a black man in America when you know that there's schematics in place to be against you. You know, it's actually beneficial for women to not be in a relationship with, with fathers. You know, it's actually some upside to it, which, which, which is weird, you know, which is understandable, which is understandable in a lot of things. Whereas we always men. I want. I always wanted to be a part of my children's life. I always wanted to be um, an active father. And then now I look at a life where it's like, Dad, I moved out here, but I'm happier. That's not fair. You know, another part of me is like, that's not right. Don't feel guilty about it, but know something's wrong with that. Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's the system. Maybe it's not her. You know, I don't... Maybe it's not her. Maybe it's the system. Maybe the system is set up that way to where the black man and the black woman, they it, it really is a little harder for them to have a sound relationship, especially when the stresses of money come in, come into play. When it's you know, when the disadvantages in the in the lopsided of the legal systems, you know, work, ideas. It's that's a whole nother that's a whole nother conversation. Oh, but, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother thing we can get into. But I feel um, I might have got a sidetrack a little bit, no, that's but okay. I just feel that's okay. like I'm, I'm really happy out here and mm-hmm. I don't really feel guilty about it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel guilty about it. And, and, and it's a little disappointing because, like I said, a lot of times I pointed the finger where being finally being on the outside looking in. I'm like, oh, it's not me. Oh, it's not her. It's look at look at where we were. Look at all the different dynamics of what's going on in that society, in, in, in that place. You know, we, we just spent, you know, I watched from afar. Matter of fact, CNN is on my TV screen right now. I don't mm-hmm. know if I can show you. Oh, okay. But CNN is on my TV screen right now. Mm-hmm. And um, I just watched, you know, votes, pretty much Black America winning the Democratic nominee, the presidency. I've seen all these votes come from Milwaukee, Wisconsin to Milwaukee. To, to win Wisconsin. Wh- who's in Milwaukee? Black people, where in Milwaukee? 
Who's in Atlanta, Georgia? We're in Atlanta, Georgia. Who's in Detroit, Michigan? We're in Detroit, Michigan. Who's in Philadelphia? We're in Philadelphia. And where are they trying to contest votes? In those cities. (laughs) He says a lot of contest votes. Well, no, you know, the the GOP, they were they had complaints about votes that were about so-called voter fraud that that's unsubstantiated. And they were mainly coming from bigger cities where um, there are more African-Americans. Yeah. So I've watched here live, you know, our people win that election. You know, I've watched, you know, 80%, 85% of jurisdictions watch that election. Be, you know, we'll let the process play out because I, I, I be teasing my other friends. I was like, listen, you can't complain about Trump when, when Trump won in 2016, you was even, you was even saying, Tell the tell the states that even though he won that state, they still don't have to put that electoral college vote for them. And it was going hard with that. They was writing people saying, "You don't have to vote for that. You don't have to. You don't have to listen to the people." So let it play itself out. You know, it's going to play itself out anyway. Um, but we watch, we watch. You know, all these all these black places by name. I even did a study. Um, not I did research, Google research. Let me say, I'm not going to say a study. I did Google research and I found some articles talking about the top places where the wealthiest black Americans or the upper class black Americans are, are living, African-Americans are living. And the main country, the main cities that were on that list were cities where Nevada, Las Vegas was one of them cities. Mm-hmm. Phoenix, Arizona was one of them cities. Dallas, Texas, Fort Worth, Texas. Baltimore, Maryland, because of all, all the government jobs. You know, I was surprised that Charlotte wasn't on it. I was surprised that Atlanta wasn't on it. But Nevada, Las Vegas, and Phoenix, Arizona, those were two cities on that. On that, you know, they say the Mexicans in, in Phoenix, you know, delivered that vote. But you know, there's a lot of people in Nevada, a lot of Black Americans in Nevada and um, Phoenix too. So I watched us deliver this election for the Democratic Party, and I'm still haven't really heard anything in the first hundred days that's really going to focus on black American. I hear about a plan, but what about the first hundred days? What about what's really, what, what really is going to be pushed for, for black America? So I'm, I'm inter- I'm anxious to see what's going to happen over the next four years. Are we really going to get something for our vote? Hmm. Um, or is it going to be kind of more the same? Told the loose Trump is not in office anymore. Mm-hmm. That's not enough for me. Hmm. Um, what what would you like to see in the first hundred days, and then over the course of the administration? Well, in the first hundred days, I would like to see a continuation of prison reform. I would like to see further steps into police reform, and then long term, um, long term reparations is obviously something important for me, a Black American, family from South Carolina, mother from South Carolina, dad from South Carolina generations from South Carolina. Um, I would like to see some some reparation package put together, whether it's full of student loan debt release, debt release, free college tuition, tax exemptions, land, finances, you know, whatever the the our real think tank, our lawyers, our financial advisors, like our, you know, who really the most powerful black Americans, the greatest minds in black American put you know, Rashad McCurry, that's not my thing. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not, I don't know how that's supposed to go. But I think tanks, the greatest minds in Black America, or even if people who just support, it could be white America too. I'm not against a white person being fair and honest about giving. I don't care who gives it to me. Mm-hmm. I just want it. 
So the greatest minds in America coming up with a solid plan to, you know, do the right spot, do the right spot slavery. Um, also continue to end systematic injustice. I think as black Americans and all and all Americans of African descent, now I'm including all, you know, Islanders and South Americans, systematic injustice is real. So we also need a plan to really curtail it. We need to, to look at redlining. We need to look at environmental injustice. I'm, I have asthma. You know, we need to look at education reform. You know, so these there's so many things that we need to look at in that Black America, and like I said, now I'm using this one as an inclusive um, Black America that we need we need a real, real substantial plan. I'm not talking about this this plan where 900 million is going to be for gun control because you're not going to be arrested, you're not going to be locking up the the white and and the European drug lords smuggling these guns into these countries. You're going to be arresting the Black people who've been using the guns. That's to me. That's what the nine hundred million is going to be going to. That's going to be more ninety four crime bill. That's ninety four crime bill three point and we find out 10, 15 years from now that all these black people got put in jail with that nine hundred million. No, we want a real concise plan, a real well thought out plan that can ask and 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 really start making changes to the system. Excuse me. Oh no worries, no worries. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what that's what that's what I hope for as well. Um, because it's been a long it's time not, coming. <laughs> Trump opened that door in 2016. Mm-hmm. It was something that started in the 1960s called benign neglects. And they was wondering why in the 70s, I'm sorry, the 60s and the 70s, and they was wondering why um black black Americans were always rioting and always looting, whether you talk about um Watson. California, the Bronx, all these different places where blacks were always rioting and looting. And they said because politicians will always promise black people things but never deliver. And then the frustration will continue to build, build, grow, and grow. So you never ever heard any politician make any promises to black America for the last 40, 50 years until Trump. Trump tried to buy the black vote. Mm-hmm. We're just in a situation where any black person who um, met with Trump or talked to Trump, got boycotted, got canceled and all that stuff. Right. And that's why you still see an increase in, in, in black men even voting for Trump. But what that did was that forced Democrats also to at least start making verbal promises. Now it's up to us to hold politicians accountable. We need to say to the Democratic Party, hey, you made us these promises. You said that you was going to treat us better. You said that you was going to start giving us a um, an agenda and, and, and executing these things. And if you don't do it, we need to go back to the Republican Party and say, hey, our vote is for sale. We delivered that, but we delivered, we held up our end of the bargain and got Biden in the office, got Miss Harris in office, and we're not satisfied because we don't know what they're going to do. We don't know. We don't know. So I'm just saying if they don't, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. So our votes need to be for sale. You know, everybody voting for sale except the black people, except us. We're the only person who don't sell our vote. We vote on emotions and like and dislike. Everybody else. I heard in the 100, 100 plan, the LGBTQ community. I heard Asian community. I heard Indian American community. Well, I'm not hearing anything specific for the, you know, anybody of African descent in America. But I'm willing to give time. You know, it's only 100 days. I only have CNN and, and BBC. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the internet, you know, in the internet. So, so question we'll, for you about yeah. voting. Did you cast an absentee ba- ballot? 
I didn't catch the Apathy Valley. I, I kind of walked. I kind of. I, I, I was on my Malcolm X this year. I was. Mm-hmm. Am I going to vote for the Raging Wolf of the South, which was Trump, or the Sly Fox in the North, which was Biden? Mm-hmm. Anyway, we were in the doghouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes I also. So so so, you know, I'm not one of those people who believe. Well, if you don't vote, then you don't got to say. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. My, my say is that I don't care who wins because I'm going to win regardless. I'm. I made up. That was my mind that I made up in 2016. I said I don't care who wins, Hillary or or or, um, or Trump. I'm going to win regardless. Mm-hmm. I, I learned under Bush, the first Bush. I mean, I'm sorry, the second Bush. That it's always wise to know the agenda of the president, and then that's where you know where to put your money and your energy. So I know like where to put stock money in, or just to know the the, the current trends and what to expect. Mm-hmm. We got to put ourselves in a position where no matter who's the president, because your favorite is not always going to win. Right. I've watched right. people cry eight years under Obama. I've watched, I've definitely watched people cry the last four years over Trump and use that as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Who the, the president, the president shouldn't dictate whether you succeed in life. Right. Especially president is not a savior. Yeah. All of them. Thanks so much for listening to Planet Now, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, prompt us to make a difference, and do more with what life presents. That was Rashad McCrory, and you can learn more about him and get links to his travel company at planetnow.com. I'm Liz Anderson, host of the Planet Now podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're on SoundCloud, and please stop by Apple Podcasts and rate the show. It's the end of a tough year. There's hope in sight with the COVID vaccine. But even so, it's still rough going for a lot of folks out there, for healthcare workers, for other essential workers. So drop a kind and positive word to someone in your life, no matter who they are. An email, you can slide into someone's DMs with kindness and encouragement, expecting them nothing in return. If you know them in real life, a word by phone or a voice note just to brighten their day. Or even a smile if you're wearing a mask. Smiling eyes. Until next time, well, take care and Happy New Year. <laughs>